We have been in this series entitled, What to Do When, and we've talked about a lot of different scenarios as it relates to this topic. So we've talked about, hey, what do I do when I fail? You know, there's times where I just blow it, I mess up. We've talked about that. We talked about the times that, you know, what do I do when I drift from God? It's kind of like when you go to the beach and you set up your chair and your umbrella and, and you and your kids go out into the water to play and all of a sudden you look up and you're like, man, somebody stole my stuff. Like, ain't nobody stole your stuff. Your stuff is 20 or 30 yards up the beach. Why? Because there was something that caused you to drift. So we talked about that. Last week, we talked about what do we do when someone that we love makes a bad decision? How, how do we confront that? What do we do about that? So we talked about all of that. Today, I want to start off with a question. Let me ask you a question real quick. How many of you would say that at some point in your life, you prayed about something, you believed and you knew that God could do it, but it didn't seem like God was listening? Have you ever had times in your life where you're praying about something and you know he can do it and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and nothing? And it is in these moments, you know, because how many of you know when that happens, you're hearing stories of everybody else getting blessed? Have you, have you ever experienced that? Like everybody you know, something great is happening in their life. Like they, they've got the job they love. They've got the marriage they love. They, they're financially blessed. And you're looking around, you're like, dude, you don't even know God. And yet here you are and you're faithful and you're serving God. And it is in those moments that you ask yourself, where is God? Like, God, where are you? And so today we want to wrap up this series with probably one of the most challenging topics of all of this, and that is, what do we do when God says no? I mean, God, you could have done it. I knew you could do it. This is easy for you. But then he doesn't do it. So what do we do in those moments? So Father, thank you again for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you in advance for your faithfulness, God. And so now, Lord, open our hearts that we can hear from you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I want to start out with a couple of stories, just kind of real short, just to kind of lay groundwork for where we're going today. Uh, several years ago, I've got an office at, at my house. It's actually upstairs in our bonus room. And in that office, I've got uh, what is called a mini-split heating and air unit. Okay, It's just a mini-split Keeps me comfortable when I'm up in my office, amen, because I don't like to sweat. So anyway, I'm up there, and it's in the dead of July. I mean, it's hot. Come on, turn to somebody and say, it's hot in July. I mean, it's hot. My unit just all of a sudden cuts off. I'm like, ho, this ain't happening. It would not cut on like dead. So I called one of my HVAC uh, friends. I was like, look, man, come check this thing out. It's dead. He comes and looks at it. He says, Alan, man, I don't know what to tell you. This thing is done for. It's over. Like, you're going to have to buy another unit. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, God, there's no way I can do that. I mean, Lord, I don't have that kind of money right now. I can't buy a new unit. So I remember after he left, I went upstairs and literally laid hands on that unit and said, in the name of Jesus, come back to life. I even went outside, laid hands on it outside. In the name of Jesus, come back to life. I left it alone. You know, I figured God needs a little time to work. I mean, so I left it alone, went back to bed, went to sleep, got up the next morning, went upstairs. Blah, blah, blah. 
that thing went on and it's still purring, it's humming, and it's never cut off since. So listen, I just know that I've got power for air conditioning, amen? Now, I'm going to just be honest with you. I don't do heaters. I mean, we got to draw the line somewhere. I don't do heat. But I got power for air. And some of you are thinking, yep, I said, well, man, that's just a coincidence. Maybe so, but here's what I know. The thing was dead. I prayed for it, and it came back to life. <laughs> Fast forward to the present just a couple months ago. I had a dear pastor friend of mine and his wife had been battling a disease for quite a while. And so we're praying, we're believing, we're fasting that God's healing power is going to come. And this is a gentleman that he and I traveled a lot together. We've been to El Salvador together. We've, we've literally just traveled everywhere, speaking different conferences and stuff. And man, people all over the world literally are praying for his wife and God takes her home. And here's kind of my point of all that with you guys today. God, why in the world would you seemingly do something kind of insignificant about making an air-conditioned unit come on, but you wouldn't heal such a godly woman? Why would you not do that? And I know that every single one of you in here today has some version of that story in your own life. I mean, it's like those times where you just got a taste for Bernie's. Come on, anybody ever have a taste for Bernie's? And you're like, God, I just want a front parking spot at Bernie's. Let it happen. You pull up to Bernie's, boom, there it is, front parking spot. God, thank you. The heavens are shining on me. But God won't take away your migraine headaches. Maybe you're praying for your marriage. You're praying for some kind of an ongoing pain or an ongoing challenge. Maybe you're praying, God, I, I need a job. I need you to show up. Whatever it is, all of us in here have some category of that in our lives where we go before God. God, I believe in you. I trust in you. I know you can do this. And yet, God, you haven't done anything. The question is, what do you do when you are a sincere follower of Jesus Christ and you believe that God can answer your prayer? You've seen God do it before, but yet God doesn't answer your prayer. To be honest, these are some tough questions, right? Very tough questions, and there are no easy answers because the Bible clearly says this in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, which incidentally, that's God's phone number. Amen. Jeremiah 33.3 is God's phone number. If you want to know what God's digits are, there it is. Jeremiah 33.3 simply says this. What does it say? Call unto me and I'll answer you. God said, hey, when you pick up the phone, when you dial my number, when you call me, he says, I'm going to answer you. Well, fast forward to the New Testament. More than 25 times in the New Testament, there's the word ask. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. Ask in prayer, believing, and you shall receive it. Whatever you ask for. So, God, I'm in this season in my life. I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm asking. You're not showing up, so God, what's up? You ever ask God that? Come on, can we just be real today? Like, God, where are you at? Where, what's going on with all of this? The truth is, God always answers our prayers. The problem is we don't always like the answer. 
Let me say that again. God always answers our prayers. The problem is we don't always like the answer that he gives. And so when you look at God and look through the scriptures, the Bible tells us there's three ways that God answers our prayers. Now, these are not in your notes, so you may want to jot these down real quick. But there are times in your life where God says yes. Like the Bernie parking spot. Amen. It's like, yes. There's times where you pray about it. You believe it. And God shows up and he just simply says, yes. And let me just interject this. When he says, yes, go back and thank him for that. Be thankful for what God has done for you. Thank him for his faithfulness. Because why? What you celebrate, you keep. So be thankful in those times in your life where God says, yes. So sometimes God says, yes. Sometimes God says, not yet. Like, pump the brakes, brother. Slow your roll. There's some times in life where God says, Hey, I need to do something in you before I can give you what you're asking for. And the problem is that God's promise has no time clock on it, right? So we get frustrated. We get upset. God, like, why aren't you showing up? And if you're not careful, you'll bail on God and you miss out what God wants to do in your life. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says Not yet, but here's the hardest of all, and this is where our focus is today. Sometimes God says, no, not going to give you that. And that's the most difficult of all to handle, right? Because here's the confusing part. I mean, God, if you're so loving and we know he is, God, if you're all powerful and we know he is, he can do anything, then why does God say no to the prayers that I think are a great idea? Why does he do that? And so what I want to do today real quick is I want to look at a guy in the Bible named Paul, the Apostle Paul. And I want to look at the season in his life where God said no. And I want to kind of apply it to all of our lives today. Because when you go to God in prayer, I want to give you three thoughts that you need to know about prayer right off the back. Here's the first one. If you're taking those, write this down. Number one, prayer is surrendering our will, not getting our way. I just dropped something on you right there. Prayer is about surrendering our will, not getting our way. It's not like, God, you're a genie and you give me what I want. It's about surrendering my will to God and saying, Lord, you know what's best. I mean, think about it. Jesus actually modeled this, right? When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he was to go to the cross, what did he say? He's he's praying in this moment, Father, if there's any way... If you can take this cup of suffering from me, there's any way you can do it. But what does he say? Nevertheless, God, not my will, but your will be done. The disciples come to Jesus and they're like, Lord, teach us how to pray. In that prayer, what does he say? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. True prayer, hear me today, is not about getting God to do what I want him to do. It's about surrendering my will to say, God, your will be done in my life. And the Apostle Paul would actually discover this because, listen, if there's anyone who deserved an answer to prayer, it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, this guy did some amazing things. And if you go back and look and study his life, he goes from hating Christians to being one of the most effective Christians in all of history. I mean, he wrote half of the New Testament. He traveled essentially on a boat for 20 years preaching the gospel to every part of the world that he could get to. 
He was planting churches. He was bold in his faith. He had all these visions. He, he prayed for people that were dead and they would come back to life. I mean, he was doing all of these great things and yet he paid an incredible price for all of it. It was a time in his life where people would actually take big rocks or stones, if you will, and they would stone him trying to kill him. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. He was beaten with rods and left for dead. On five different occasions, this guy was beaten 39 different times across his body. And you say, well, what's the significance of 39? If they'd have beat the guy 40 times, there was a law that said if you hit somebody 40 times and they die, it's murder. So five different times, they literally beat this guy to within an inch of his life. He was put in prison over and over and over again. He endured more than we can ever dream or imagine. And what was his reward for all of this? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says this. It's a challenging portion of Scripture, but here's what it says. Paul says, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a what? A thorn. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Satan brings something into this guy's life. God allows it, and God not only allows it, but God uses it to keep him from being conceited. There's this thorn in his flesh. Now, granted, we don't know what this thorn in theologians thorn is. Theologians have debated this for years and years and years. Some say, well, it was, it was epilepsy, it was headaches, it was a speech impediment. One person said it was bad eyesight because in one of the letters Paul wrote, he said, notice I'm writing with really large letters. I mean, think about it. You can't see and, and read or write it. it but, but here's the thing. Whatever it was, Paul said, this thing is tormenting me. But yet God allowed it. It tormented me. God allowed it. Why? Because God is keeping this thing to help me so that I don't get conceited. And some of you guys right now, there's, there's something in your life you're dealing with. You're praying. You're believing. God, show up. God, do this. And God's not doing it. There's an issue. There's a challenge. Maybe even be a sickness. Whatever it is, there is a thorn in your life. And for some of you, maybe that thorn is a person. And if that person is with you, don't you dare look at them. Don't breathe in their direction. Stay focused on me in Jesus' name. For some people, it could be a person. For some people, that thorn could be a boss. You know, maybe you've got a boss, a supervisor, a manager, and they just, you know, they're just a bull in a china shop. They have no values, no morals, no nothing, and that's a thorn for you. For some of you, it could be a health challenge. For some of you, it could be depression. And there's all sorts of different things and you're trying to do this and do that and you're fighting this and you're fighting that and you're praying and you're believing God. Some of you are praying, God, change my circumstances. Like, God, if you would just change my circumstance, I'd be a whole lot better off. And yet God is not changing it. And we need to remember in these moments in our lives where we're praying and we're pleading and we're begging with God. And God is saying, no, we have to remember that when we pray, our prayers are not about getting our way. It is surrendering our will, saying, God, even though I really wish you would show up and I really wish you would do this, Lord, you're not. But God, in the middle of my situation, I'm choosing to trust you. That's what prayer is. But then here's the second thing that you need to understand about prayer. And that is that prayer reminds us of something. It reminds us, number two, that we are not in control. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control. 
I'm not in charge of my own life. I mean, the Apostle Paul discovered this. Watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. What does he say? He said, three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this thing away from me. What's he talking about? He's talking about that thorn. Whatever that issue was, whatever that situation was, three times I asked God to take it away from me. I'm begging you. I'm pleading you. Take it away. And listen, when Paul said three times, he didn't mean just like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. No, there were three specific seasons in his life where there was a time of intercessory prayer where he's begging God and focused on God. Take this thing away from me. And some of you are right there right now. God, help me, deliver me, help me, be with me, need a job, need help with my kids, need help in my marriage, need this, need that, whatever it may be. You're in this place right now, and you're begging, you're praying, and you're pleading, and you find yourself in the same place that the Apostle Paul was. He's pleading with God. He's begging with God. And listen, it's not like I'm asking God to do something I know he can't do. It's not like I'm asking God to do something I know he's done in other people's lives. And listen, I mean, if I'm God and I'm looking at how faithful this guy is, how faithful some of you are, I'm saying, you know what? No big deal. 10% raise in your check. Come on. Amen. In Jesus name. Some of y'all just received that right there. Some of y'all ain't getting one. Amen. But anyway, like 10% raise. He uses Paul over and over and over and over again. And, beg, and, and Paul is begging God, take it away, take it away, take it away. And you know what God's answer was? Here's the challenging part right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. What does it say? My grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. God, please, if you would do this one thing, I can serve you so much more effectively. If you could just show up and God says, no, my grace for you right now is going to be enough. And that's, that's hard, right? Because what, what does grace mean? It just simply means undeserved favor. It's like God just favors you for no reason. We're saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, 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 so what does this all mean? But here's what you got to understand about grace. It means so much more than just undeserved favor. One translation said that grace is the leaning in presence of God in your life. It's God leaning in to show you his presence in those moments that you don't have the answer for. And we tend to say, God, this is what I need and this is what I want. And if you could just do it, life's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. And God says, no, you don't need that. I'm what you need at this point in time in your life. I'm enough. I'm sufficient. My grace in this situation is what you need. That's hard. That's hard to even explain it because you, 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 you see people and I see people who are walking through times and I'm like, man, how are you even standing? How are you even able to get out of the bed? How are you able to make it? And their answer is always this. I don't know. It's just God's grace. Sufficient for me at that moment. And that's what makes it so difficult. 
Because God, I know you can do this. I, I, I know that you can come in. But God says, you know what? Yeah, I could do this. But in this particular case right now, for reasons you may never understand, my grace is sufficient for you. And sometimes our version of Christianity kind of gets a little messed up, right? We, we pray and we believe God. And if God doesn't do what we want to, it's like, I'm out. You know, like, see you. But listen, when did you become God? We serve God. We glorify God. And so prayer, if it does anything, it reminds us that we are not in control. But it is in those seasons, in those moments that you don't have the answers. And you're begging and you're pleading. But it's the pressing in season after season. God, I'm seeking you. I'm believing you. I'm trusting you. And even if you don't do this, God. You're still God. And I trust you. So that's what prayer is, man. It's, 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 it's surrendering my will. It's, it's, it's understanding that he's God. I'm not. But then here's the third thing you need to understand about this thing called prayer. When we're going before God, it's trusting, not just asking. It's trusting, not just asking. It's not just Asking God for what you want is trusting a God that knows what's best for you. And listen, don't get me wrong, guys. I mean, we believe that the name of Jesus is greater than any name ever. We trust, we pray, we believe. We believe God heals. We believe God delivers. We believe God provides. We believe God does all of these things. He does miracles. And listen, don't ever think for a minute if you hear us say, well, God, you know, thy will be done. Listen, it's not something that we just naturally say, but we're asking God and we're trusting God at the same time. James says you have not because you ask not. And so we're going to believe for miracles. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to do all this. But there are going to be times, guys, in our lives where God just simply says no. So it's not just about the asking, it's about the trusting. And this is where Paul was. This is what he ended up having to do. Because if you look at Paul's life, years later, he's looking back at this thorn that's still there. This challenge, this issue is still there. And suddenly we see a different perspective on it. He's saying, man, this thing that was tormenting me, this thing that God used it to keep me from being conceited. Watch what he says, verse 9 and 10. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, watch what he says. I love the wording here. I delight in weakness. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I delight in difficulties. Why? Because when I am weak, then I'm strong. I delight in these things. These things that I would never choose for myself. Nobody chooses difficulties. Nobody chooses, you know, weakness. Nobody chooses persecution. Nobody chooses all of that. But Paul said, man, what you don't realize is that in those times when I can't do anything but depend on God, it helps me to know Him in an intimate way. Paul said, my ministry is more powerful 
because God did not do what I wanted Him to do. When I'm weak, He said, I experienced His power in a way that I could never experience it before. So guys, what if we change our perspective? What if we do that? What if instead of going around saying, man, I just hate these headaches, what if you say, I delight in these headaches? I delight in them. Why? Because they teach me to trust in the presence and power of God in a way that I could not otherwise. I delight in looking at a job right now. Somebody look at you and say, man, have you bumped your head? No, 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 no. I delight in looking at a job. Why? Because it helps me to understand that God is my provider. And he provides for me. And he continues to meet my needs. David said, I was young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. It's in those moments. And I had a church planner to call me last night. And we're sitting there talking. And he's like, man, I don't know. You know, times are tough. Because when you plan a church, there's not a lot of money. It's like, times are tough. I don't know. Need some milk for my kids. I said, buddy, let me help you right here. Always, when you go to the grocery, always buy whole milk. Come on. Always buy whole milk. Don't get the two. Don't get the one. Always buy whole milk. Why? Because when you get a little low and, and you know your money's already run out and the groceries is all you got, just go to that faucet. Open it up. Come on, can anybody feel my pain? Put your little water in that thing. Shake it up. Now you got skim milk. Come on, somebody. Amen. God is my provider. He always provides for me. I delight in loneliness. What's wrong with you? No, you don't understand. I have discovered Emmanuel, God, with me like never before. He's there. Paul's perspective changed over time. He's looking back and now everything's changed because he said, wait a minute. I figured this thing out. It's in the pressing in of God. It's in those seasons where, God, I want you to do it. And I'm begging you to do it. And you're not doing it. But it's in those times that I experience Him in a way like never before. It's in those moments, God. Your perspective has to change. You know, people say oftentimes time heals all wounds. And it sounds good. It's just not true. Because I know people... Still bitter, still hurt, still angry, still ticked off 30 years later. Time does not heal all wounds, but watch this. Time with God's presence heals all wounds. It's His presence that brings the healing. It's the presence of God that changes your life. And listen, I'm not trying to make light of what you're going through right now. I'm not things in my life I wish and pray God could you just change it like God can you change like God when I walk in my house I need Misty to just bow down and say he's here amen now you, I'm messing there's times in your life where guys let's be serious you're praying you're begging God's not showing up God I wish you would change it but God I found something in those moments of weakness that I've discovered the leaning in presence of God in my life like never before and, and here I am years later and I'm looking back at that thorn I'm looking back at that situation I'm looking back at that scenario and I'm saying God I saw you in that moment and you carried me through the moments and the challenges 
life. It's your presence that changes it. And I don't know where you are right now. I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what you're going through. I, I, I don't even know where you are. But here's what I know. The faithfulness of God never changes. It never changes. It never changes. Are you hurting? Probably. Are you going through something that you couldn't even dream or even imagine? Maybe so. But it's in those moments. His grace. His presence is leaning into you. So stand with me all over the house. Are you leaning into God in these moments, in this season in your life? Are you leaning into God saying, Lord, I need you more now than ever before. But yet, God, in these moments, I'm experiencing you like never before. Can we just take a moment and sing that song right there where you are? Come on, let's just sing that song out to Him. His faithfulness. Sing it out to Him. with you. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house? Let me ask you a question. How many of you right now are in a season in your life where you're begging and pleading with God? Seize the hands. Seize the hands. God, can you just show up? God, can you just move in this situation? God, can you can you just help me a little bit over here? Just God, where are you at in these moments of my life where there just seems to be the struggles and God, where are you at? Can I just say this to you right now? It's the leaning in presence of God. Wherever you're at, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're begging and pleading God for, it is His grace. 
is the leaning in presence of God for you to visit you right where you are. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. But He is right there by your side. So Father, right now, as we bring this series to a close, we come before you. God, in these moments that we're praying and we're fasting and we're believing, and it's almost like the heavens are brass. It's almost as if our prayers are hitting the ceiling and falling back down, but but God, I got to go back to your word, and, and, and your word says you're faithful. You're my provider. You're my healer. You're my redeemer. And regardless of my circumstances right now, regardless of why you're not answered, that doesn't matter. What matters, God, is you are who you are. And I choose to trust you in these moments right now. And I pray for so many of the hands. You, you know the hands that were raised, God. You know those that are in here today that are struggling and going through situations in their lives. You, you know who they are. God, I just pray right now that over the next few moments, over this week, this month. I mean, Lord, going into February. And here we are, God, and for some of us, our prayer is just simply, God, it's me, and you know. No need in saying it again. I've been asking for it. God, in these moments, help us to lean into you as you lean into us with your presence, knowing that your grace in this situation is enough. Strengthen your people today, oh God. Help us to know you in a way like never before. So that, Lord, years from now, when we come out of this thing, months from now, we can look back and say, man, I, I experienced God in a way like never before. In Jesus' name. Maybe some of you in here today, you've, you've slipped in. You've never made that decision to go all in for Jesus Christ. You kind of feel like you've been doing life alone for a long time. You may even feel like, man, you know what? Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. But listen, God cared enough about you to have you to show up today, to have you to listen to this podcast today. God cared enough about you to rearrange everything to get you here for this moment with you and Him. And so wherever you are today, if you say, Pastor, I'm ready to go all in. I'm tired of feeling this sense of worthlessness. I'm tired of doing life by myself. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. If that describes you, we're not here to embarrass you. I promise you we will never do that. But if that's where you are, would you be willing to slip a hand? Nobody's looking around. It's just you and God right now. Just slip a hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Today's the day. I'm going all in for Him. I need a new life.
need a fresh start. The slate needs to be wiped clean. Can we just pray this prayer together as a family? For those of you listening by podcast, maybe this is, is your moment. Just simply pray after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And Father, I believe that you died on the cross and rose the third day. And so, Father, right now, I'm asking that you would forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Make me new. Use me for your glory. Lord, replace this this emptiness, this hard heart inside of me. Replace it, Lord, with love and mercy and forgiveness and grace. Lord, use me. My life is not my own. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap of praise all over the house today, guys. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, let me encourage you. Do everything you can to get here next week. We're going to be talking about relationships next week. And it's not in the form of like husband and wife. This is just relationships with one another. Uh, This is kind of a one-off Sunday. We don't have a series next week. So it's just going to be kind of the pastoral moment from my heart to yours. So come and be with us next week. And then next Sunday night, come on, holla at me. Family night, amen? So make sure you sign up for that. Now, if you guys are new, we do things a little bit different.